1: This is the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones, and Gav Buckland, as Chew the Fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park, and there's plenty to get our teeth stuck into ahead of a trip to Aston Villa tomorrow, five thirty Villa Park. The Blues on the road again. Can they maintain an unbeaten start under Rafa Benitez-Preno? A start that Rafa said, almost perfect, but not mm. quite. Talk to me about your feelings about the perception of Rafa now. He's been in the job since the end of June. Um, five games, four in the league, one in the cup. Mm. A very good start. Do you sense a shift in, 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 in feeling... Uh, amongst supporters who were, um, you know, there were obviously extremes. There were some people who were completely against him and some people yeah. were uncertain. Some people, of course, were were content and satisfied. What what do you sense is the feeling around Rafa as Everton's manager now?
2: I think it's still a little too early. Uh, I think the the near-perfect start that he's made means that those that were always relatively positive or, you know, happy to be convinced... Of being a little bit more vocal in um, in their support for him, but I think those, those naysayers, if you like, the negatives of just being quiet, you know, so that they haven't had anything to complain about because, as Rafa says, it's been a near perfect start, and so I think they've been unable, you know, so to to complain. They've just, you know, so kept the powder dry, if you like. And um this weekend could be quite significant in that whole mindset thing because Villa, it's come to be the toughest game we've had so far. I mean, not suggesting for a second that Leeds away or Brighton away are easy games because they're not. They were tough tests as well, but we came through them. But Villa, just the way they've um, you know built upon their squad during the summer, how good they looked against Chelsea for large periods of that game. I mean, don't read anything into the three 0 scoreline because that just completely is not a reflection of how they played. Uh, you know, they were much the best. Well, certainly as as good as Chelsea in the first half, missed some great chances, and you know, so could have scored. You know, a really Uh, surprise upset that game so I think this weekend will really show us exactly you know so how far along we are and you know so the I won't say revolution I've just said it the revolution sorry (laughs) (laughs) but you know so how far along we are you know so in his bid to change things so I'm hoping things have changed because you know I've said all along on here that I thought it was a a good brave but a good appointment Um, and he's already started to change things for the better uh, but to convince all of the fan base, I think we'll need to see some significant results against some of the bigger hitters in the league. And I know Villa aren't a bigger hit, a big hitter, but they are a very, very difficult place to go. Uh, so it'll be interesting this weekend. You know, it'll be a tough game. It'll be a, a, a true test of maybe you know sort of how the fans are thinking. I and mean, we still haven't had a song for him yet. Every I think it could be some time yet before we, before we see that. Uh, but, you know, it's good to hear that, you know, so the people who are being very, very vocal and positive about him are doing so, you know, so more increasingly now, uh, which is good. And that just underlines, you know, so how good the start of the season has been.
1: Mm, yeah, a really interesting game with Villa, because a side who no doubt have got similar aspirations as ourselves this season. Adam, what have you liked about what Raf has done so far? And also, what have you still got questions over? And I appreciate it, it's still a small sample size, but... Give us an idea of what you liked and maybe what you're still
0: uncertain about. Well, it's been a very back to basics sort of approach, really, hasn't it? It's, it's very much focused around not necessarily the quality of the players, almost, but it's more focused around the hard work that all of these players are going to put in the determination, you know, direct, f- uh, fast flow and attack and football. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that fans have wanted to see for ages, isn't it? We didn't see it enough, especially towards the back end of Carlo Ancelotti's reign. That was you know, far from. What we what we were seeing really, especially at Goodison Park, so to see that kind of you know back to basics sort of approach, you know I think he's very straight talking in press conferences as well, and in terms of you know his squad, which I quite I quite like to see. I mean, apart from when he's talking about James Rodriguez, I think he he, he does become a bit more veiled when it comes to him. But uh, aside from that, you know I think he's just he's just been very realistic, hasn't he, about his prospects so far this season. He just wants to improve this team, improve the squad. He's not making any massive promises uh, over the course of this season. And I think that's probably where Everton found themselves this season, isn't it? After what was a disappointing end to the last term, finishing 10th. You know, I think it was just all about getting back to basics, back to a realistic sort of approach. Uh, I'd maybe like to see us not falling behind in in home games <laughs> in future. You know, I think these, these two home games, while they've been in fantastic atmospheres in the second half, we've had nervy hour-long periods, essentially, haven't we, leading up to those sort of moments? So I'd maybe like to see the defence shored up a little bit more, and maybe that will be the case with the likes of Yeri Mina coming back to fitness, Ben Godfrey getting back fully to speed as well. Hopefully, we'll be able to have those kind of players fully fit for the majority at least. so it might make things a little bit easier there. So I think just defensively, perhaps Everton need to improve in that sense, but I think overall, Brenner is absolutely right. I think Raf has made a really, really promising start and it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, against Villa because, as you say, that will be the biggest test so far. Gav, I'm going to throw one of your um, excellent stats back at you that you
1: delivered, <laughs> delivered to me uh, a, a couple of hours ago.
3: Oh no! No! <laughs>
1: No, no, this is this is this is a really interesting one. This is the one that jumps right, out of yeah, me. Yeah. If if the Toffees win on Saturday, thirteen points from five games, which you call Rafa yeah. Benitez's best start to a Premier League season, and equal Everton's yeah. record at the same stage last season. Yeah, it's last year, yeah. So thirteen points from five league games. There was a real, almost undeniable sense of yeah. excitement at that point last season under Carlo. What would the feeling be? Do you sense amongst blues you know of your family, friends, if we were at that point come? What would it be? Half seven on Saturday night.
3: Um, I think a little bit more measured. I think last season, obviously there was no crowds. Um, that sort of like a bit of a artificial feel to it, as we all know. When we don't need to go there, I think Hammer's coming in last year. Um, you know, it was a massive plus and we got caught up in the euphoria of that type of stuff. So, yeah, I think we were top of the league, weren't we? Um, obviously, the the, the the so-called big boys in the uh, the Premier League had failed to fire this year. I think it's a little bit more measured and a little bit more balanced, I think. Um, probably because of the lessons of the last season. So, um, I think, yeah, there's a bit more. There's a lot more realism, isn't it? I think because... We all know with crowds back and things getting back to normal that the, the you know the the top teams in the league are going to be far more competitive and ruthless than what they were last season. This um, is effectively what happens, early, wasn't it? You only got to see the points totals. So yeah, more measured, uh, but at the same time, a lot more room for optimism, I think, than what we thought at the, the start of the season. Uh, um, I wouldn't like to think that if you got beat on Saturday, there'd be a lot of people that started, you know, don't want Benitez or so come out towards me and say and saying I told you so. I don't think that's right. in the same way as that if you know he gets a couple of wins you say, Oh yeah, we told you so we would be a good appointment. You know, I think there's a there's a long period of the time before you can pass judgment. Uh, go, on, go
1: on then, go on then, Gev. I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here, sorry, as I as I always yeah. do. How long how long does he need before we we obviously the the, the, the final judgment on Rafa Benitez is everton Tenure will ultimately come at the yeah. end, where whenever yeah. that is. But at what point, how many games in do you need to do you think you need, or think that we all should be able to go right? We, we can say whether it's been good or bad start,
3: or you know, he, he's, he's, yeah. he's on the right path. I, I suppose, um, I suppose you've got to play everybody once, haven't you? I think you know, I don't think we should be judged about how we play against the big six, to be fair. I saw Gary Neville on Monday saying, Oh, Everton don't compete and bottle it and all that. Don't have that at all, I'm afraid. And the financial resource in the big six are some everything else. Um, when you look at the wage bills. So well, how you know that we're competitive. Um and you know that we're, we're, we're I, I, going back to what why was saying, I think he's, being, he's done well so far, is quite obvious. Obviously, works with the players far better than any other manager we've had since Moyes. You know, it's quite obvious on a one to one basis. Tactically, he's cute. He knows what he's doing. Every player, getting the now, knows what they're supposed to be doing when they go on the football pitch. The players are obviously fitter than what they've, they've looked previously for, for several years under Silver and then Chelsea in particular. Uh, and there's those basics that are like that. He's, he's always going to bring that. Uh, the next test for me is, is where perhaps, you know, saying that there's been his Is he? so much up on modern football and all that type of thing to be competitive against the better coaches. And that's when it's, uh, those are his big tests. But I've got no complaints so far. Uh, I, mean, I I think also as well, and you mentioned this at press conference, uh, I think the fact that he knows the area and he knows Everton supporters, even though he, he managed to cross the park. And it's no spoilers. I, I'm convinced that's why he started off. We've, we've been surprisingly um, offensive, haven't we? When we played, he played a lot more, uh, you know, attacking wise. we played a lot more there than what you would expect and say at Newcastle, because I think he knows that if he'd set up like he did at Newcastle, he would have immediately got off on the wrong foot with the man at, with the supporters. You no, know, a flat four four two, low block or whatever it's called, you know, all that type of stuff. The fact that he's injected pace, that he's shown a lot more um, ambition. I think that's. Also, there to you know to to sort of you know win the supporters' favor. I don't think Mm. that's a coincidence, yeah.
1: Well, it's a a really interesting point, um, Perenna that Gav makes because as it stands, after four league games, we've had 25 shots on target, which is the third highest in the league. Last season, we oh, 38 games, we only had 148 shots on target, so you can all you can already see what Rafa's intention is. Do you think he's been so positive in the games that we've had so far, as Javas kind of alluded to? Very mindful of ultimately what what did for us last season was when we came on against sides that we've be achieved everything. Sides at home where we came from. really. Is, is Rafa as you as you alluded to at the start of the pod? He sees our season as almost being convinced of how we get on against the teams around. Around us and below us, maybe not the guys above us at this stage because we haven't got the squad yet that he uh, he
2: really wants. Yeah, I mean he's he's a very very clever manager, and I, I was going to say, you know, apart from actually reading the room and realizing that he had to introduce you know so sort of fairly positive football, you know, high energy football right from the off. He also does it in quite a. Quite a, an overt fashion, you know. You see him on the touchline trying to influence things. You know, you see him issuing instructions to players, and um, you know, walking over before the game and having a quiet word. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin here before the first game against Southampton. You know, all the tactics, you know, surely have been you know organized and drummed into the players long before kickoff. So, what message can you possibly be given to somebody in the you know, so seconds before kickoff? I think a lot of it is you know, maybe playing to the gallery a little bit. And uh, people like to see that they like to see a manager that, you know, is hands on and is actually trying to influence things. Uh, You know, so nobody wants to see a manager sat on his hands in the dugout or uh, another one not getting particularly enthusiastic about uh, about results. That was something that was always like tossed Walter Smith's way. Um, You know, so he he never reacted uh, positively or negatively. And that was used as a stick to beat him with mean David Moyes is quite the opposite he'd like you know still run up and down the touchline like like a maniac you know so when we scored a big goal and i think the fans really enjoyed that you know so you know certainly for the first you know sort of few years of of his tenure so you know so Rafa is very very clever you know so he he's good at you know so reading football supporters as well as reading players so you know it was important to get that message across to the supporters look we are trying to change things this is what we're trying to do this is what we're trying to affect and so yeah that has been quite you know so well received so far So it's very, very early days, like we said before, you know, it's only a handful of games, you know, there's a lot to do uh, and we've got to get results against, you know, some of the uh, more difficult uh, fixtures in the calendar. But equally, you know, he's working with a squad that's only had a handful of changes that he's been able to bring in, very, very little, next to nothing in terms of uh, financial outlay. So his hands have been tied to a certain degree. But he's not complaining about it. He's getting on with it. And, uh, you know, we're enjoying what we're seeing at the moment. But a long, long way to go, yes. I mean, uh, like I said earlier, Saturday tea time could be quite uh, quite a significant fixture in the early part of this season. Mm. And again,
1: you know, you know, as we keep saying, early days and stuff. But do you wonder, do you think maybe Rafa's looking at this squad? And effectively, it is, by and large, the same squad that he had last season. Obviously, Townsend and Gray have come in. And made a difference, but by and large, it is the same squad. Do you wonder if Rafa's looking at this squad, going, "How did
0: you only finish 10th? Probably, yeah. And I think he he wouldn't be the only one, would he? I think many <laughs> managers in the past have had similar problems with you know this this band of players. Essentially, essentially, the problem that we've had over the last few years throughout the season is consistency, isn't it? We just can't seem to hit the right balance throughout the season and that's always come back to bite us even when it looked like Carlo Ancelotti might have stumbled upon it you know away from home suddenly the home form drops off and we we just can't we just can't find a a middle ground that's that is able to get us into you know the European places where we really should have been getting with this uh, quality of squad so it it, it, but it is just a problem that's plagued us uh, throughout the last few years really even under Marco Silva we had some really talented players, but we just couldn't seem to knit it together on a consistent basis. So, you know, perhaps Rafa Benitez is probably looking at it, you know, perhaps through the lens of a new manager bounce, let's say, and he's thinking, well what's, well, what's been the problem with this squad then? They're, they're really putting in the effort for me. Well, I mean, that's where that's where it comes in that we're all just saying, right, it's early days, we do need to get into the real nitty-gritty of the season, and that's when this squad in the past has usually shown a little bit of the different side to themselves and maybe dropped off in certain areas and, you know, let things slip and, you know, that's where that's where the problems have started uh, th- from that point on until the end of a campaign. If Rafa Benitez can avoid that happening this season, then I think that's that's probably going to be the best thing for him. If he can just find any sort of modicum of consistency, essentially, then I think this squad will have the quality to carry, carry themselves through to, well, at least better than a 10th place finish, if not you know, hopefully getting into those european places towards the end of the season i think it's yeah it, it's not it's never been really an issue about the quality and of, of this squad because we know like on their day there's a lot of players in this squad who are really really fantastic footballers but how often do the does their day come up that's been the issue that we've had over the last couple of seasons and we've seen perhaps uh, the signs of that changing underneath us we've already mentioned the likes of Iwobi and Gomez over the last couple of weeks haven't we looked to be you know fitter sharper showing a bit a little bit more than they have uh, under under recent managers at least so perhaps we're we're starting to see the green shoots of change under Benitez but I think as the lads have said it's a a little bit too early to tell on that front just just quite yet we'll have to see how that uh, transpires for the rest of the season I think.
1: As you were just talking there and, and talking about players you know inconsistent I was just thinking God, wouldn't Kevin Morales fit perfectly into this squad? <laughs> <laughs> made for this current evidence. Um, so. But, um, Gav, speaking of players that, that Rafa has inherited um, and a player that has really made a storm in start to the season, and we probably haven't spoken about him enough, um, how impressed have you been with this new attack-minded Abdullahi Ducori?
3: Uh Very impressed. I think he's uh, played like what we expected when he came from Watford, hasn't he, really, rather than... Uh the strain figure that we had last season. Um <laughs> the chef said that maybe me Jordan the game on Monday. I think he, he let, let a few passes go astray in the first half and I said, uh, you know, we pass you know, his passing not as good as what it should be. <laughs> and he produces that that you know, Kevin De Bruyne type effort in the second half, doesn't he? You know? Very impressed. I mean, and that was quite obvious from the first game. Uh, you know, he plays well last season, didn't he? I mean, there was a couple of games he was, was maybe not as good as what he should be, but really impressed. And, and but this is what we expected from him, didn't he? That's why we. That's why we paid the fee. Get up and down. He's Got a goal in him. Energetic. Has he got three? Assists, is it three assists this season? Something like that already. Um, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, he was giving yeah. the a for Townsend's Thunderbolt, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You all count, Brenner. You all count.
3: Yeah. As you know, I don't really like talking sort of about rounds, about assists, unless you try to prove a point. So, yeah, I, I, I can't say. I and mean, there's more of the, 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 the statistics tell their own tale, don't they? Um, he's had, I was reading something today, isn't he? He's marginally. It's a couple more games as Cotton Nathan matches out his total shots outpuff for the whole of last season or something. Um yeah, he's been excellent and, and he, he goes back to what Rafa is obviously Beneath has seen that uh, um as one of the ways of improving the team, improving the um the attack and ambition of the team is by getting them to, to play far far more up the pitch than what he has been uh, last season. And uh, we've uh, got the you know, we've had the rewards. Not only that, but he's got off the pitch quickly. I mean he can motor, can't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean it's been great. I mean one some of the highlights of the season so far for me is where we've had Zakoray, Gray, Carver Lewin and all Allison all running at pace towards the opposition goal. You no, know, it's been wonderful to see we have not had that for for donkeys years, if yeah. at all. And um that, so it's that ex- it's no coincidence we've run up some of the some of the, the, the goals and shots on target and stuff, uh with that, that role uh, that he's playing. That said though, it goes back to I think Adam's point about defences is is, is with maybe a little bit more open yes. at the back. Um if you you know, that's where you need a natural hold in midfield and not Alan, who's been excellent perhaps. Mm. but yeah, being being great to Corey, right, this is the player that we want. We're expecting to get he's played a couple of games against us for Watford where he's produced those type of performances. Hasn't he? I think the two all draw was December eighteen. He, he 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 ran riot in the midfield, didn't he? I think he scored. I couldn't cope with yes. him. Uh yeah. Yeah, tremendous. Long may long may continue in, in this role. Uh we're getting the best out of him. That's what you want out of a player that you paid. Whatever it was, twenty five million quid or whatever it was, twenty. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, excellent. And uh but it'd be interesting to see us all against the better teams, though. Phil, going back to the, dare I say, the top six. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, and see, see how, it'd be interesting to see how Benissa set up against the, the best teams in the league. That that would really really be more pragmatic, Rafa. The
1: Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'll kick that one on to you then, Preno. You you know you've you've watched more Rafa teams if you like, up close and personal than many of us have. What, what would your hunch be when, when we go into those games against the established sides who are challenging for the title and, and, and really pushing for the Champions League? You know, will he be ultra pragmatic? Is know, as I said before, is he seeing opportunities now to get points on the board against teams below us or near arrivals? That When we go into these other games, it isn't quite as much as, as you know, we're not going into the final game of the season, going to the Etihad
2: and looking for a win. Basically, that type of uh, situation. Oh, no. he will park the bus. I'm sure he will. I mean, if you can play three at the back to like Burnley's threat in a home <laughs> game, uh, I think you will certainly go to, uh, you know, sort of get to Manchester United in a couple of weeks' time and uh, be ultra pragmatic. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody will be particularly upset by that because uh, I think we accept that we're not really in a position in terms of quality of squad at the moment. To be going to places like that and trying to be, you know, so sort of particularly offensive and wide open. I think what was interesting talking about the the, the Kure change of emphasis. I mean, you could argue that he has been wasted you know, over the last couple of seasons uh, being played and as a holding midfielder when he clearly has all those elements you know, to his game, those attacking elements. But I just think there's been a, ch- a shift in emphasis throughout the uh, the way the team's being set up. I think Rafa wants, you know, his uh, his wide players, his his midfield players to be going forward and to being you know, sort of more attack-minded. But in turn, I think that places a little bit more onus on the back four or the back five as it is or was on Monday, to be a little bit more cautious and maybe not quite as offensive as we have been in the past. Because we're used to seeing, you know, Seamus Coleman and Lucas go bombing forward and being largely, you know, a so major supply of, of goals and, and assists. I mean, Lucas Dignes, I've seen him getting a bit of bit of flack recently for just you know, so starting the season slowly, which I don't take. I think he's played well, but I think maybe he's being asked to not get forward as often as he would do previously, because you'd see him overlapping, you know, oh, a dozen times a game maybe, you know, so you know, in, in previous eras, and you don't see it as much at the moment. And I wonder if that is because that is Demarley Gray's responsibility, that is Andrew Townsend's responsibility, that are the central midfielders' responsibility. They've got to get up and support the strikers. Um, you know so rather than the fullbacks. so you know whilst the corey is benefiting from this maybe you know so the players behind him are having to be a little bit more restrained as a result and that shouldn't be a reason to criticize them i think it's just a, a methodology that' he's being asked to you instead know, sort of play a slightly different role and if the end product is victories and results which we're getting at the moment fine everyone's happy absolutely okay uh
1: moving on to uh, another point Topic for this week's pod uh, news: Adam about new stadium investment. Uh, Liverpool City Region Combined Authority are proposing to inject forty-five million pounds into the uh, Everton new stadium project. Uh, Fifteen million pound grant, thirty million pound loan for works linked to the to the stadium. Now, obviously, uh, Councillor Steve Rotheram stressing this is not an investment in the football club, but the project and the, obviously the knock on effects. Uh, good news, though, of course, because. Forty-five million, you know, that just just nibble away nicely into the five hundred plus million pound costs, doesn't, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Farhad Moshiri will be absolutely made up with that, won't he? Save, him, yeah. save himself a bit of cash in the future. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's every every little helps in terms of in terms of the stadium project, isn't it? It's it's nice to have these kinds of updates on it. You know, we're seeing you know, little little sporadic updates here and there on social media of people taking pictures. Down at Bramley Moor, and you know, having having little up, updates like this just gives you that like nice little reminder that it's that it's still happening almost, and you know that nice little that nice little boost that while they're infilling the dock, there's still you know the funding model is still getting worked on, and it's it's looking like looking like it's closer to completion now, and it's it's it is it is really promising to see stuff like that, and to be honest, it's really it's really promising to see loads of Liverpool fans fuming on social media as well about it because they, they quite clearly don't really understand what, what's going on they do think it's some sort of investment in the club and as as you quite rightly say Steve Rotherham's very vehemently come out and said that it's not that it's a it's a uh, it's an investment in the project instead which is you know a very a very different sort of matter and uh you know I, I just think it's it's really promising all around isn't it it's really it's really good news and you know hopefully it can take us forward in the, into the future.
1: Well, by the time uh, people listen to this podcast, uh, the news will have emerged. Um, Everton um, uh, sort of released a special podcast uh, this afternoon. And in it, many little bits of fascinating information about what's gone on. But, but contained in that is confirmation that, Gav, in the early part of October, the actual infilling of the dock will start, which is quite a, you know, a significant milestone in the project, isn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, things are things are moving on, aren't they? Um, yeah, I, I think I, I can only I, I mean, every time this comes up when we're on pods, Plano and I will always say the presentation you went a couple of years ago, you know, at the liver builds that the club did for the the Everton Heritage Society members. It, you you seriously underestimate the work involved in this. You know, it's 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 unbelievable. You know the amount of work that the club has had to do, and and, and the, um, the attention to detail is 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 is, is fantastic. And, and I was thinking about that last night when he were say he was saying about thirty million loan, isn't it, fifteen million grants, and Grant, you know yes. he's acknowledged that Everton are spending to fifty five million pounds on the preserving, heritage. and maintaining the heritage of the the the, the area. And you want, what you see, what the club has done. And the plans has got to do do that. You can see why it's costing a lot of money, because you know they're doing an amazing amount of work. So um, yeah, going back to your point, that's this great that you know filling in the dock, and the, I think it's also uh, great news for the area about the the funding as well. I mean, and I you know, and also as well as, as as was said, like the thirty million will loan will generate interest that. Will help the city, and and it's not just money. Get on with it, Everton. Have to do their part, don't be in terms of who they employ. Absolutely. I think there's initiatives around health in the north of north part of the city, promoting good health or all that type of you know good stuff that you know any community-minded club should be should be doing. Um, so it's not just a question of giving money and saying just get on with it. There's certain responsibilities on Everton uh, to to also you know uh, play a part. In terms of development of the the wider area, and um, that that's good news as a as a, a resident of the the city and not an Everton fan. And, and to be fair, a couple of pool fans I've spoken to and, and seen i have, have, have sort of can understand that. You know, rather than being a uh, you know eyes raised, um, <laughs> when you when you look into the detail, you can see you know Steve rotherham's message is, is spot on. Yeah,
1: yeah. Sometimes we. Uh... We fall foul of, of believing that uh, extreme reactions on social media are uh, sort of no. a, a natural gauge of actually the, the, the feeling and understanding of, of an issue. But um, Preno, I was having a conversation earlier with somebody about the stadium, and and we and, and in modern football we could, we become quite blasé about about huge sums of money and, and fifty million here, thirty million here. But the fact that the club are, are investing. A hundred million pounds in simply preparing the site, in filling the dock, uh, you know, dredging it, uh, all this sort of thing. I mean, that is a when you look when you sit back and think about it, that is an absolutely astounding commitment. Just, just to get the thing levelled and ready to build on. Never mind spending the rest on actually building a new stadium.
2: It is, but that's what should give us confidence that you know, so this project will be seen through to its conclusion. Now because that is one hell of an amount of money uh, to be you know so sort of expended on preparatory work and so they're not going to commit to that without you know so the, the big picture being in place entirely i mean uh, 350 million pounds worth of private investments uh, being lined up the piece that you wrote this morning you know sort of telling us about that um obviously you know so the city council uh, you know sort of elements of that you know so is in addition to that's to do with the, um, the the heritage aspect of the site, but yeah, just underlines that you know. So why everything is on target as it always has been, pretty much from the word go. Just to back up, what you know. So Gavin said that you know, so, um thing that we went to at the Liver Buildings a couple of years ago. Um, the level of detail that was involved in that presentation then was phenomenal. It was like you know, even to the um, the, the the paving, you know, stones and some of the uh, the walls that we're looking to prepare and. You know, so the removal of the wildlife, the fish from one dock into something else, every single element of it being looked at in very, very meticulous, fine detail. And so, you know, it's been a very, very impressive project from start to finish. And this is just the latest element of it. Um, You know, massive amounts of money just to get the thing ready, but it's got to be done, you know, know, sort of fill in the dock before anything else can take place. So it just heartens me more than anything. It doesn't fill me with fear, thinking, wow, this is a big gap. Big, big risk this is a big gamble that the club's taken it fills me with confidence that this is a project that's like so well underway now and is you know so very close to you know so not being completed but you know so, so you know so well underway you know, so absolutely um it makes me feel happy it makes me feel confident mm.
1: uh club also uh, confirming this afternoon things of removal of marine life from the dockers uh, process has started today uh, they have discovered some unexploded devices, but I'm told don't panic. They were all duds, so no, uh, there was no threat of an explosion down there or anything. But, uh, but I mean, I mean, you know, Adam, and when we when we listened, uh, we were on the uh, on the call for um ca- the council's planning decision back in God was it back in February now? Yeah, I mean, there was it was incredible the amount of detail we're talking about. Um, is it bats remind me. I can't remember the exact. You know, there's so much yeah, kind of bats,
0: oh, bats in the hydroelectric tower. Bats, <laughs>
1: literally, literally, no. i was no, no stone, but no, no cobble, if you like, down there has been left unturned. As it is, re, it's, it is actually astonishing the, the, the level of, of work that's going into this.
0: Yeah, it was mad, wasn't it? Like I, I do remember that it was almost like a, a 90 minute, almost two hour presentation, wasn't it, from Everton just describing. Every every little nook and cranny about Bramley Moor Dock and what they're going to do in the future and how they're going to preserve this and how they're going to restore that and where they're going to put the bats and and all that and all that kind of stuff and then all the councillors just kind of just went yeah <laughs> they didn't really have much to say didn't they like like ten minutes they just went yeah that that seemed that seemed fine by me um, and it was all it was all kind of done and dusted but you know it, it does just show the amount of hard work and effort that's gone into this from everybody uh, around the club and everybody who the club have brought in on this kind of project over the last, you know, however many years it is, like coming up to like five years or so, something like that now, isn't it? Like it, since since they first identified Bramley Moor Dock as the, as the place that they wanted to go and, you know, it, it, it's only with that hard work that it went through that process so smoothly, isn't it, really? Because they went through so many... Consultation processes over the past couple of years, you know, I do sense there was you know a little bit of frustration from fans. You know, when they had to modify the designs a little bit and then send them back and have another consultation period, people were just a bit like, oh, what's going on here? Why, why are there so many consultation periods?" But I think we're now starting to see the benefits of all that, aren't we? Because everything is running so smoothly. The club have you know turned over every leaf as it as it were in terms of even like the worst case scenarios of you know, pull, potentially pulling bombs out of the out of the dock and everything like that. It's, they're just taking all that, all that kind of thing in their stride, taking fish out, you know, it's very, it's very run of the mill stuff to them. Like it over the year, over the coming weeks, and yeah, you know, that's a that's only testament to the amount of hard work that's been put in over the last few years. So, you know, as Preno says, it's really, really, really exciting to see the, these kinds of these kinds of developments happening, and you know, it's. It's all it all seems to be going to plan,
2: which is you know putting putting smiles on a lot of Everton fans' faces, I have to say. It also underlines as well why it was so so disappointing that UNESCO should cite Everton's stadium plans as the you know the final straw in you know taking away Liverpool's World Heritage Site status, because Everton have done more than any developer along that whole stretch of the waterfront to preserve and retain so much of the historical elements of a dock which was inaccessible uh, to the public previously and will now be accessible. It's gone now, it's a completely different, you know, so sort I of we could fill a whole podcast on our own about that. But it just underlines, you know, so why UNESCO were wrong and why it was disappointing to cite and point the finger at Everton uh, in the decision uh, to, you know, take that World Heritage Site status away. If anything, they should have been praising Gavison for the work they've been doing to try and restore that part of the city. Hmm. Laughable, to be honest, quite laughable, really.
1: Uh, okay, let's round off uh, today's pod with the customary predictions time. Uh, I'll start with Gav again. you lucky, lucky man, Gav. If you can, uh, you can kick us off. Although we seem to have had a bit of a technical issue, so wait till Gav comes back. Ad, Ad we'll start. We'll start with you first. Aston Villa versus Everton, 5 30 pm at Villa Park. We will be there. Uh reporting on what?
0: Um pfft, I do I do really like Villa as as Preno pointed out before. I think they were really good against Chelsea, didn't deserve to get beat 3 0. I don't think. Uh, they've got a lot of promising attacking players, especially. I think Danny Ings is dangerous, Ollie Watkins is dangerous. They'll have Buendia back, they'll have Emi Martinez back as well, which I think are two you know big boosts for them so hopefully jet lagged
3: <laughs> well
0: fingers crossed Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed but uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go similar to the Leeds game I'm going to go a 2-2 draw okay
2: Preno you stolen my thunder I was going to go for exactly <laughs> that same scoreline because this is the Royal Blue podcast and you know we're not allowed to predict defeats despite, <laughs> uh, you know, so some supporters you know so pulling us up for that same, we've got to try and be realistic but well, we have got to be realistic we've got to be optimistic as well um, no, I think it, it, there are goals, you know, sort of from both, you know, sort of teams. You know, Villa have got a goal threat. We've been very, you know, sort of offensive and very bold, you know, sort of in recent games. Uh, it worries me a little bit that, you know, so sort of Villa are, are a decent side. They've started the season well, but equally, it's not the kind of place where you should go, you know, feeling awestruck. You know, they're not Manchester City, you know, so they're not Chelsea. So, you know, there's an opportunity there to go and maybe get something. Um, I think it's a little bit unrealistic to predict a victory. But, you know, if, if we did manage to go there and win, I, I wouldn't be wildly surprised. But I think, yeah, a draw. I think a two-two draw. We're not good enough defensively to keep them out. Uh, but equally, we have got enough threats, you know, so on the counter, especially with Damari Gray breaking and Andrew Townsend, um, provided we can overcome the absence of dominant Calvert-Lewin. I don't think we did on Monday night against Burnley. You know, so Richarlison didn't look like a centre-forward. And if we preserve or persevere with him as a centre forward, I'm not so sure. Will is Rondon ready to start a game? I don't know, uh, but it's a long-winded way of saying I'm going to sit on the fence and say a two-two draw. Mm. Gav, you know,
1: is Villa's strength on the counter attack? Are we do we just not be smart, sit back, soak up the pressure, and hit them on the break? Is you know, play them at their own game, so to speak?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think their full-backs like to bomb on, don't they? Um, games I've seen and I think if that's the case then you, you let, keep you too wide off, up top don't you and utilise the space that they've left I can see us playing a very similar game to, to Leeds and Brighton City early on and I hate that phrase grow into the game but I'm just going to use it anyway <laughs> uh, and, and do that you know because that's, that's been successful for us so far hasn't it on our travels uh, against Teams that are not a million miles away from Villa, uh, star wise, and so uh, I can see, you know. And I don't. I, I was I was debating whether to use this stat, but I will do, as you well know, Phil. As you know, Benitez has never lost at Villa Park. So, guys. So you know what that that is like. Why you know people say. You know, never you only ever mention bad stats when we get when you mention decent ones, you know, people say, Oh, why have you mentioned that? You know, exactly. Benises, I'll just say Bini Benice has never as a neutral, Benice has never lost developer. And uh I fully expect that that to uh to continue tomorrow. I, I think we can win. I think we got us in, in a you know uh, definitely got us in to win 2 nil. I just don't want to repeat, of, and this is brought back maybe sort of people, the Friday night game of Villa a couple of years ago when we had the chance yeah. to go top. We just, we just don't want to. There's it, it, a similar vibe beforehand to this game as then. I know that was only after one or two games, wasn't it? Similar, similar yeah. vibe this year to the tip. But I, I think we'll be a lot more competitive and organised than what we were. And one of the worst performances I can remember any Everton team over the last five or ten years. And there's been enough of them.
1: So 2 0 after all of that. And Gav, of course, ladies and gentlemen, confidently predicting a victory despite telling me on this uh, stats email that Danny Ings has scored five Premier League goals against Everton. <laughs> uh, the tough of the yeah. odd team Ings has scored against it all three of his previous Premier League this. clubs.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> See? So
3: that is that. You know if you follow on from the Penisa start therefore then Ings is not going to score tomorrow then isn't it because if it's in you know so anyway. fingers crossed uh, fingers crossed 2-0 to the Mighty Blues off me I'm going to be I'm feeling positive at the moment
1: lovely uh, I think I'll 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 side with Adam and pray I think we'll we'll get something but I think it probably be a draw I think 1-1 I think I think uh, I'll be in favor of Rondon starting I think I think Richarlison looked a little bit uh, looked a little bit lost didn't he I appreciate it it was physically very uh, very tough for him on Monday and perhaps won't be as quite as demanding on Saturday. But I think he's, he's better with somebody up there and just playing off them, isn't he? So, uh, but let's see. Chaps, uh, thank you very much for your company. Lots covered there in today's. Paul will be back next week, hopefully reporting on a 2-0 victory, as Gav hopes uh, from Villa Park. But uh, no, chaps, thank you very much for your company. And thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast.
2: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.